Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It's on the screen. You can turn in your Bible to it if you want to, or you can read along with me silently as I read it out loud on the screen. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God Has a Plan for Your Life. Look at somebody and say, He's got a plan for me. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Father. I pray that you'd strengthen my back, my mouth, and my mind. Father, I pray that you would tell us what you'd have us to hear. God, I pray that you would increase our faith today. Let us hear from you by your Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was saying a minute ago, I I preached this uh, topic about 15 years ago, and I know because of the amount of time God has just been pushing it back at me, pushing it back at me, pushing it back at me, that what God is usually downloading into me is because he wants me to download it into us. And I want to take the next few services, if God allows, I hate series preaching, I think lazy preachers series preach so they can, you know, put it all together and don't have to worry about it. But I have got something that I want to say to you this morning that hopefully will be the start of a couple of weeks dealing with this topic. Pray for me that God would continue to guide me as I attempt to tell you what I believe God wants me to tell you. And in that series that I talked to you about a decade or more ago, we looked at some Christian buzzwords, say buzzwords buzzwords are words that catch a lot of buzz. It's on people's mouth. But people begin to say them, and they begin to lose meaning. You know, you might have heard the saying, familiarity breeds contempt. When people used to talk about a purpose statement, a mission statement, oh, that was cool. People used, uh, And then churches started getting them, and, and then restaurants started getting them, and then plumbing shops started getting them. The purpose statement of our plumbing shop is, I'm thinking, bro, you're just here to sell plumbing. But uh, they're buzzwords in the church, and some of them have deep meaning, and some of them are just not worth talking about. I want to give you two that have some real solid meaning this morning uh, to begin with. Purpose and vision. Say purpose and vision. Purpose is the reason why something exists. And I want you to, over over this lesson, over this series, as long as this ends up taken, I want you to really lock down why you exist. You could probably give me a churchy answer if you've been in church for a long time. But I want you to get a very specific answer. I said two words, not just purpose, but vision. Vision is a vivid mental image. Say vision. It's a vivid. I want you to be able to see in your mind what the purpose God has for your life is. I want you to be able to picture it like it is a movie starring Gerard Butler. I want you to be able to picture exactly what it is that God wants you 
to do because we all need purpose and we all need vision. I've been telling you for years, if you do what you've always done, then you'll only get what you always got. And I want to stand here and tell you today, for sure, I want more. I want more. I want to fulfill more of God's purpose on my life. I want to see more clearly and more of the vision that God has for me. And we've got to do more. Uh, I, I believe that it's a good thing to have goals in life. I, I believe what you'll read in any study you read about goals. If you read any study about goals, somebody will quote whoever said it. The person who aims at nothing always hits it. The, 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 only, the only person who's perfect uh, bullseye 100% of the time is the one who's not aiming. They, and most people go through life not aiming. And I want to tell you, God put us on here. The name of our church is Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God doesn't want us to have just a mundane life. God doesn't want us to have a boring existence. He wants us to have a thriving life. But most people are not having an abundant life. Most people aren't living at all. Most people are existing. Most people are struggling through Monday just to get to Tuesday so they can struggle through to Wednesday. And if there's a good day for them in there, listen, uh, I guess when the powers that be decided that we'd work a five-day work week, and, and be off two days. I don't know how they came up with that. Uh, you know, four tens would get it done better. But uh, two twenties would really knock it out hard if you really wanted to get it in. But, I mean, at least, you know, three, three, three thirteen and a thirds get it some kind of way. But they decided that Saturday would be our day off and Sunday would be our day to go to church. How many of y'all know with the life that the average person is living now, if Saturday is their only day off, they're working harder on Saturday than they're working at the job? Got everything in the world to do. And, and, and so most people are just in that grind, in that grind, in that grind, or doing like this corona thing. We have become, if we weren't already the laziest group of people that ever existed in this, in this country, we have become that. I told the staff this morning, I'm eating around the clock. There's no sense of time. Everybody's stuck at home. Everything's shut down. It's nothing to do. I keep bumping into my kids. I bump into one of them. We, we'll eat. We'll go out to eat. Uh, we'll come home at 8, 9 o'clock, separate for a minute. Two hours later, I'll bump into one. I'll be down in the kitchen getting something. One of them be in there. I'll go back upstairs, do a little something. About 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll come down. I, there, there's another one in there eating. I mean, it, it, it's become so brutal last night. Jake was cooking at 4, what, 4.30 in the morning. Uh, I'd just seen him at 2.30. We'd just been down there eat, eating cereal out of the box like candy. Uh, and, and then he's down there banging pots and pans trying to find. We just, yeah, it's just crazy. There's, there's nothing to do but sit at the house, and we've become lazy. But that's not living. And we need to get to the place as believers where we're living a life that is so awesome that other people want it. I've told you before, the way you really get somebody to want to hear about your God is you get so fired up in love with God that people come to you and like, what is your secret? What is it that you've got going on? And I want us to learn today how to plug in to the life that God created us for. 
Harvard Business School says that less than 3% of the population has ever bothered to write down their goals. And I, I don't know if that makes the 97% the, the smarter than the 3% because of the 3% that wrote their goals down, 99% of them never kept them. So maybe everybody else is like, no sense writing them down. I'm not going to keep them anyway. Uh, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I told y'all I, I used to join a gym on New Year's like the rest of y'all. Finally made peace with my fat and just decided, hey, ain't no sense in spending $30 a month at a gym I'm not going to go to. But I, I've looked a lot in my life at leadership. I've looked a lot in my life at personal development. And the experts say that most people don't write down their goals uh, for several reasons. One, because they don't like planning. And one of the reasons they don't like planning because they're scared if they put a plan together, they'll fail. I want to tell you this. If you put a plan together and you fail, you've done more than you did without it. There is winning and there is learning. There is succeeding and there is learning. You, you might feel like it's failure, but, but what what that one dude say? Uh, he, when they asked him, uh, the, the dude that they say developed the light bulb, he, he said he had over a thousand failed experiments. And they asked him, did he get tired of failing at developing a light bulb and he said I don't really feel like I failed at it I, I think I succeeded a thousand times at not developing it but he kept trying he kept trying he kept trying he kept trying so many people give up and give up totally some of y'all have probably given up on a dream that God put in your heart Whatever it is, to own a business, to start a business, to go back to college, to get a degree, to write a book, to start living holy, to quit fornicating. Get a drink. To start reading your Bible. There, the, but when you fail at something, the enemy wants to come along and paint you as a failure. I want to tell you something. You're succeeding more as one who is trying than one who is just laying down. The Bible says a righteous person falls six times, even seven, but a wicked person falls one time and stays down. I want to tell you, you might be falling down, but you're getting back up, honors God. Don't give up. Don't give up. you got to figure out what God put you on this planet for, and you have got to get on with it. Some of the other reasons uh, why people don't write down their goals is because they know if they had goals written down, they'd have to make sacrifices. Same reason people don't write down a budget. They know they don't want to live by it. They don't want to write down goals because they know that it would make sacrifices. They'd have to be disciplined. It'd, it'd be some self-denial involved in there. But... We got to understand what grandmama's generation understood. Anything worth having is worth working for. And we need to begin to maximize this one life that God has given us. And I don't want it just to be about maximizing our potential, though. I don't want it to be just about setting goals and striving for them. I, I want this lesson, this series, this teaching to be about stirring the deepest longings of your heart, connecting that thing on the inside of you, the, the longing that God has put in you for you to be what he called you to be. And most people are not doing that right now. If I went through the whole room, if I started with Miss Irene and I worked all the way around back to Terry and I said, tell me, what is your purpose? What is your calling? What is your passion? What is your vision? What is the big thing God created you to do? Most people would fake an answer or say, mm -hmm. 
Huh? Huh? We don't even use words anymore. We just, you just throw out a couple of grunts. Huh? Huh? We need to figure it out. And we need to get it together. Because God didn't put us here just to get by. God put us here to live an abundant life. He didn't design us to push ourselves through life with, with motivation, self-motivation, goal-setting, and speeches. But He put us on this planet and designed us to be pulled. Not to be pushed, but to be pulled by something so compelling and irresistible on the inside of us that it would create an empty space inside you if you don't follow it. There, there should be this emptiness in you that says, there's got to be more. That's what brought you to Christ if you found Christ at all yet, knowing that there had to be more. And if you're in Christ, there's still that the Spirit of God is now inside you, compelling you to say, there is a reason I saved you. There's a reason for your existence. And you can live your life where you just push yourself through, uh, or, or you can get involved with, with developing this blueprint for your life and find out how to let God pull you through. Now, I want to tell you something. It's easier to be the one getting pulled than the one doing the pushing. And I want you to get involved in the flow of God. See, secular goal setting says, I need goals that push me. But God's approach says, just allow me to pull you. There is a flow in Christ. There is a current. There is a river of God's movement that if you will find out how to connect to it, Life will be easier. Most people, if they had to be honest, would admit they've been swimming upstream their whole life. They've been coming up the rough side of the mountain. They've been banging their head into the wall. They've been taking two steps forward and three steps back. But there is a way to get involved in the flow that God has for you, and we're going to see it over the next couple of weeks. I hope that you will dedicate yourself to be here and to get involved in the teaching from the Word of God. Having said that, let me say to every Christian, even though there's some things wrong with secular goal setting, every Christian needs to set goals because planning out our life allows an open channel of communication between us and God as we began to listen to God for what He would have. Social scientists from the very beginning of time have always said that at man's core, we have this search for meaning, this search for for purpose. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And we need to know the answers to those questions, not just for other people, but for ourselves. You need to know why you're here. You need to know what God's will for your life is. And that's why I want you to get involved in this process over the next couple of weeks of creating a blueprint for your life so that you can find your unique purpose. You, you probably, if you've been saved for a while, you probably thought about God's purpose for your life. You probably thought about what God wants you to do with your life. You may have looked at your strengths and weaknesses. You may have been involved in some purpose statement writing. Uh, but listen, purpose without plans is purposeless. You, you, you can say you have a purpose, but if you don't have plans with it, that's just purposeless. It, 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 you you got to have specific goals that support God's unique purpose for which you were created. And as we talk about this blueprint, I want you to understand that the blueprint for life combines your God-given purpose in life with a detailed plan for living it out. That's what this blueprint will be. It, 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 it'll, it'll help you to determine your God-given purpose and give you a detailed plan for living it out. Most people don't have either. Most people don't know their purpose 
And most people that know their purpose don't have a detailed plan for living it out. Most people have dreams that are so far away, they're not reachable. And we need to learn how to put together this plan that God has for us because I hope you believe none of us are here by accident. I, I, I hope most people, I hope you don't feel like your life has been a complete disappointment. I'm letting you think about that. I, I hope that you don't feel like your whole life has been a complete disappointment, but I think most of us, we'll be honest, would say we failed at a lot and we'd really like to do better. This is a chance to do better. And I want you to be here on Sundays as we look to this and allow God's Word to speak to us about how to be it. Let me tell you what a blueprint is. It's a picture of the end product as seen by the architect. I should have wrote that down on my notes. It's a picture of the end product as seen by the architect. You take a set of blueprints. I, I, know, I know businesses that have paid $10,000, $30,000 to get blueprint drawings for them. When we, when we had to get architectural drawings for College Drive, we built that out from scratch off a drawing I put together on a legal pad. We did the same thing when we, we had to get architectural drawings for the Blanding Boulevard property. I laid out every room off a drawing from a legal pad. I had in my mind exactly how I wanted it to be, but the architect was the one who took that. I'm, I'm going to read this definition again. It's a picture of the end product as seen by the architect. The architect saw, I just gave him an overall view of what I wanted to look like, and he went in there and got down to the details. It's time to get down to the details, because if you're not paying attention to the details in your life, you are easily overthrown by the enemy. But it, it's, it's a detailed picture of the end product. Uh, with, with a blueprint, there, there's suddenly a place to turn for reference when making important decisions. When we were going through building out College Drive, building out Blanding Boulevard, we had a set of plans to know what's next. Okay, well, what's next is we got to pop a chalk line on, on, on this concrete floor for the size of this building. Then we got to lay down some framing. We got to put up some We had a step by step guide. Now, I've heard parents say this, and I get the meaning, and I understand it because I had children of my own, but I've heard people say kids don't come with an instruction manual. Well, that's not totally true because there's a Bible that will give you instruction on everything that you need real instruction from. And this blueprint is laid out. God is the architect. Let me see if you're listening. Who's the architect? God is the architect. We are the building. Let me see if you're listening. Who's the architect? Who's the building? All right, so God already knows what your life is supposed to look like. Now, I wonder how many honest people in the room would, would be willing to say, right now, this moment, I'm probably not showing my best me. Right now, this moment, some of my buildings, some of my rooms might be in disarray. So I probably got a bathroom where I should have put a bedroom. I, 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 probably, I probably got carpet where I should have put tile. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to look at it because there is a way to do better, and we need to get to it. it uh, this, this blueprint gives you a practical framework for life. Every, every quest can be answered by determining, does this help achieve my purpose? Does this fit into my blueprint? People who are really smart, uh, that, that build big organizations, they have such a solid 
purpose statement in mind that they will tell you, these leaders will tell you, we don't do anything that doesn't advance our purpose. If it doesn't fit, we let it go. And I want you to begin to think about that in your life because here's the reality. If you're the architect of a building, if you're, if you're, the, if you're the general contractor of a building, you're the superintendent, and people show up with, with a bunch of materials that, that aren't supposed to be on your job site, you need to learn how to send that back. If somebody's building out, if, when we were building out that building, if, if they would have shown up, you know, with, 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 with 900 palm trees, we wouldn't have signed that purchase order for them. We wouldn't have been like, oh, yeah. We, no, those did not fit into our plans. If they had showed up with a bunch of stained glass uh, framed up and, and said, here they are, we would have sent that back. What am I telling you? Some of y'all got stuff showing up in your life that don't fit in your blueprint. The architect never said to order that. But you've been taking delivery on stuff that was never meant to come into your building. You're going to have to learn how to be a better overseer of your own project. You're going to have to learn how to be a better overseer and say, no, that doesn't fit in the overall scheme of what God's trying to do in my life. Think about the Old Testament people. As they struggled so much in the Old Testament, trying to get out of slavery and into the promised land. Now, they got out of slavery. That's a picture of salvation. Getting out of slavery is easy. Getting salvation is easy. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Some of y'all called on and didn't get saved. The Bible says you have to seek him with your whole heart to get saved. You got to be for real with it. You, 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 you got to be serious, all in with it. God knows if you're fronting. And, but it's easy to get saved. That's momentarily. But it's hard to get to where God wants you to be. God got them out of, God got them out of Egypt. God delivered them from slavery, told them to go out into the desert, build, build an altar, make sacrifice, worship him there. He, he, he had them on an 11-day trip. Uh, how, how long did it take them to get there? 40 years. Could you imagine thinking you were going to build a little tree house? You're going to build, you know, Deacon Dixon got back, back, back when his son was smaller than him. <laughs> if he decided, I'm going to build my little son a tree house, is it? I'm going to build my son. You know, he could have, he could have easily decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take the next two days and I'm going to build this tree house. I'm going to go get some wood. It's just going to be simple. Knock out some steps going up the tree, a little platform, put a little, you know, a little rooftop on it. He could have decided how long it would take based on the size of it. What if it would have taken him 40 years to build that, that two-day tree house? Marcus is like, he never built it yet. Some of us are no different than that group of people in the Old Testament. God set them on an 11-day journey and it took them 40 years because they kept wandering around in circles chasing their tail. And I want to give you a blueprint from God's Word that would allow you to stop moving in circles and start moving in a straight line towards your destiny. Anybody want to get to their destiny? See, it wasn't that they didn't know what God's plan was for them. They, they knew it. They just kept forgetting it. Most of their troubles could have been avoided if they would have just stuck to what they knew God's plan was for them. And, and I think most people already know what God's plan is. They just forget it. They just get unfocused. And that's why I talk all the time about focus and refocus. It's not enough just to get focused on being who God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do, living how God wants you to live. You can get that in your mind right today, but by this afternoon you're going to have to refocus that plan. 
You're going to have to refocus that plan. And, and, and it's not enough just to have a plan. You need a detailed process to carry that out. Because you know what they say about good intentions, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Lots of people say they want to do good things. But good intentions without detailed plan is like a ship without a rudder. It's like a car without a steering wheel. You're not going to get to where you want to go just because you really, 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 really want to. You've got to have a plan to get to where God wants you to be. And I believe real life, as far as the real successful abundant life, begins when you marry your purpose to a tangible plan. You've got you to discover your purpose, but then you've got to marry that purpose to a tangible plan. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. I hope you'll get involved in it. Let me read our text, our opening text again. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we. Now, when the Bible says we, who's it usually talking to? Usually talking to Christians. When, when the writer, inspired by God, says we or us, it's usually talking to Christians. They and them, it's usually talking to non-Christians. Some exceptions, but typically you can follow this, and it'll, it'll make sense for you. For we, saved people. If you're in that number, this is talking to you, say me. For we are His, that should have a capital S, we are His workmanship. Christians are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we, Christians, should walk in them, what, good works. So God fashioned us with a preordained purpose. And the preordained purpose for which we have been fashioned is that we would do good works. Now, I don't know what your view is on predestination, but you can read this verse right here and you can plainly see God predestined us. He predetermined that the people that he would call his own would do good works. Let me read it to you in a different version, same verse, Ephesians 2.10. In the New Living says, for we are God's masterpiece, period. Always pause on the punctuation. Pay attention to the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. That, this, I, I don't love that word masterpiece. I like that word workmanship. We, 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 are, we have been crafted by God. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He, he, knows, uh, he knew exactly when every bald-headed man in the room was going to go bald. That's true. He knew exactly when every good-looking woman in the room was going to... I'll leave that alone. God created us. Can we agree on that? God created us. He, 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 he put us together. He, he, he knew how tall we would be. He, 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 he put desires in us. He, he created us specifically for His purpose. This word masterpiece, though, has been twisted. It's not that it's a bad word. It's just been twisted by this current generation. And it's, it's given people a false sense of superiority. It's got people walking around saying, I'm God's best. Uh, not what I'm seeing. Uh, but we are God's creation. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I want to get some Bible scholars in the room, be a little teaching on you this morning. What did God planned for us long ago to do what good things good things now if we had your life on 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 this powerpoint if we had your life on the screen and we just played a video of you up here i, I just want you to think have you done any good works in the last 24 hours 
How about 48? How about 72? How about in the last week, month, year, decade? Lifetime. Hopefully so, but could you have done more? Is there more? We always can do more. The Scripture tells us that God's plan is to transition us from one level of glory to the next. Let me give you three more buzzwords we're here talked about a lot. Passions, giftedness, and calling. Let's look at them one at a time. Passions are what you really get excited about. I wonder what you're passionate about. I love jerseys. I was, I was telling my kids I violate every rule of old man dressing. If you study how old men should dress, old men aren't supposed to wear uh, tennis shoes. I got the best tennis shoe collection any old man. Uh, that, that Well, not of any old man. I know y'all know nobody's got a collection like our, our, our brother True uh, up in ATL. But I, I love wearing tennis shoes because they're comfortable on my feet. They say old men aren't supposed to wear blue jeans. I love wearing blue jeans because they're comfortable on my bottom half. Um, they say, uh, me and you aren't supposed to wear jerseys, Steve, but I love wearing jerseys. Sometimes I, I even wear some jerseys that, that I don't always love the, the, the player or the team anymore. I'm not burning something I paid 100 bucks for. All y'all LeBron fans, y'all burnt them jerseys, whatever. But people, sometimes you can see how passionate. Now, I'm so passionate. Anybody know what my favorite baseball team is? You only know that because I'm passionate about it. Uh, listen, I'm so passionate about it. I got an email, and I'm an easy sell. Uh, if you don't believe me, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say how many of these kids. A couple of these kids have figured out pastor will buy it if I bring it to him. Uh, I'm not going to let everybody know that because y'all will be overrunning me. But I got an email from Atlanta Braves because of the COVID virus. They put all their gear on 30% off. I'm like, oh, you're talking my language right now. Talking my language right now. I already got a closet full of Atlanta gear. I got every, I got just tons of T-shirts that say, I got red ones, I got blue ones, different players' names on it, no players' names on it. I told the kids, I bet, I bet people think I wear the same shirt every day. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm like the the superhero that got one uniform, a thousand of them on, on, on a row. But hey, at thirty percent off. I just went in and got seven more yesterday. They better hurry up, Amazon. I'm waiting on my, on my new Braves gear. But if you see me out and about, there's a real good chance I'm going to have on a Florida Gator T-shirt, uh, an Atlanta Braves T-shirt, a uh, Boston Celtic jersey. Why? Because people have passions. Let me tell you, when you know that you need resuscitation, when you stop being passionate about things. Let me just back up, screech, rewind, and, and let you know one of the first things clinical uh, psychologists will talk to you about. If you are depressed, if you know somebody who's depressed, one of the first questions they'll ask you about, are you less passionate about the things you used to be more passionate about? When you start losing your zest, when you start losing your passion, you are drifting from the center lane that God wants you to be in. Passions are what gets you really excited. Now, here's the thing. If you're really excited about singing, guess what you ought to be doing in church? If you're really excited about playing an instrument, guess what you ought to be doing in church? All right, we're going to develop it. You're going to learn. You're going to get in it, and you're going to find your lane. Now, it, it's, 
it's not popular anymore because once somebody, you know, my age and melanin uh, viewpoint are, are saying it, it's already old. And, Dad, they don't say that anymore. Uh, well, stay in your lane anyhow. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Stay in your lane. You got to know which lane you're supposed to be in if you're going to stay in it. The average Christian doesn't even know what lane they should be in. They don't even know what lane God put them on. They don't know where the direction is. They're riding around in circles, bumping through life, just letting life happen to them. God did not design you for that. If life is happening to you, you're in the wrong lane. God put you here to happen to life. And I want you to get your passion up. I want you to be passionate about something. When you begin to lose your passion, it's like Coach Bear Bryant, coach at Alabama Crimson Tide. They asked him, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? He gave them the same answer for over a decade. I saw it on SportsCenter. They played it out one time when he died. He said it every year for over a decade. They asked him the same question. He said, I don't know. He said, I I really believe if I I ever quit coaching, I'd probably just fall over and die. I wouldn't have anything left to live for. Wasn't long after he quit coaching, he just fell over and died. Lost his passion. Some of y'all don't even know what you're passionate about. You are close to not even living at all anymore. You're in the existence lane and not in the living lane. So we're going to develop passions and find out what people are passionate about. The second word I told you is giftedness. Say gifted. you got to find out what you're really good at. Everybody's good at something. Here's the lie of the devil. I've had people tell me this. Every time we've ever done a spiritual gift survey, every time we talked about stuff like this, people come to me and say, well, Pastor, I'm just not really that gifted. I just, I just you know, I'm just me. I just, I just you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm, I'm good at. You need to find out what you're really good at. Some people that don't think they're good at much are good at some things that other people aren't good at. They are, there are people who get paid. The going rate right now is over $300 an hour to talk to a good clinical therapist. Some people get paid lots of money just because they are good listeners. Or they doodle on a pad and draw cartoon shapes while you talk and you think they're listening. I had a psychologist friend, friend of mine, so it was an associate of mine I met through business, and I, he asked what I did, and I told him. He said, do you do any counseling? Uh, I said, I do. He said, I, lo- I love you guys. I said, well, thank you. He said, no, y'all, y'all, y'all are the ones that, that give out bad advice for free so people come and pay me lots of money to give them good advice. People, can you listen? Can you smile? Can you say something? Find out what you're good at. Now, if I started right now with Carmelita and I worked all the way back around to Jessica and just asked everybody in the room, what is it that you're really, 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 really good at? How many of y'all think somebody would say, I don't know? That would happen. We would hear that. We would hear that quickly and repeatedly. But I want you, as you find out what your purpose is, uh, uh, what your passion is, I want you to find out what your giftedness is. And the third word I gave you is calling. Say calling. This is God's unique purpose for your life. So purpose and calling go hand in hand. But you need to know what your calling is. When I was studying for my ordination process, we had to repeatedly go, go through this one phrase. Uh, a charge to keep I have and a God to glorify. Until that was like water just flowing. Constantly. A charge to keep I have and a God to glorify. Your calling gives you a charge from God and you need to keep it so you can glorify God. What is your calling, Christian? What is your... Well, I, I, 
I'm not called. That's, that's for me. No, everybody has a calling on their life. Some of y'all are called to be great mothers. Some of y'all are called to, to, to be, be great whatever. You need to find out what your calling is because here's the reality. You can't really start living as a, as a child of God until you marry these three things together. You got to be able to marry these three things together before you really feel excited about doing what God wants you to do. I use myself as an example because I'm an easy target. Uh, I say all the time I wouldn't do good in the nursery. I do fine in the nursery. I, I say I wouldn't do good in children's church. I do fine in children's church. Y'all heard the story. Some of y'all lived through the story. Uh, Dara was there. Dara probably was one of them little loud children on the wall. Uh, we, we, we had, when we were building the building on Blanding, we, we built that with church workers. We, we would get off work. Didn't we, Steve? We'd get off work. We'd come up there every day. And people would be getting off work. We'd have pizzas on, on a table. And people would be bringing their kids up there. We'd be up there at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Hardworking men and women pushing shovels, wheelbarrows, driving machinery, doing stuff. And, and bringing their kids. They couldn't find a babysitter. One night there was an overabundance of kids. And they were just, they were just going. And people were telling me, Pastor, somebody got to get these kids. Tell, tell their mom to get the kids out of here. You know, we, we're shooting nails through a nail gun. Uh, I, actually, I believe uh, I, 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 Elder Jimmy's out in the parking lot. Uh, it's like a real pistol. Don't, don't, don't they use a real pistol to shoot those studs in the ground? A bullet. Yeah, they were shooting them bullets down into the concrete. Well, you know, stuff flying around. We got bullets flying around in the room, kids. And they're like, Pastor, you got to get these kids. Uh, Somebody's got to deal with So I just called them all. I said, get on that wall. Sit down and put your back on the wall. And I told them, you will not move until your mother comes to get you. Nobody's going to If you move, I'm going to duct tape you to that wall. And I'm not going to let you get up to use the bathroom. You use a bathroom on yourself. Don't move. For the next two hours, Pastor Scott had the children's church ministry in good shape. And none of them caught a bullet in the neck. But, but I, I, I say that I wouldn't be good at keeping the nursery. It, it's not my passion. It's not. And this is why some of y'all wonder why we got the same few people and we need more, get involved, uh, take one Sunday a year, uh, why we got the same few people keeping the nursery. And I've had people tell me, Pastor, we need to get more people involved in the nursery. At my old church, that's always a thing, at my old church, we did it this way. If, if you had a child you dropped off, you had to take a turn. Don't run that by me because I'll tell you the same answer. I don't want people watching babies that don't want to watch babies. You, 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 you tell Sister Jones, uh, oh, next Sunday's your Sunday because, you know, we've been watching yours. It's time for you to watch. She'll be in there mad, angry, putting that evil spirit on children. No, we, don't, we want people who are passionate, people who are gifted, people who are called. And if you don't know what you're passionate about, what your gifting is, what you're called to do, then, then, then you're not going to uh, be in that flow of loving what you do. And then... When you try to serve in ministry, you're going to hate it. You're going to burn out on it. You're going to fizzle out and not do it. I point at the food and clothing ministry because they're the only ministry that has to work three days in a row to get their ministry done. And they, but they love it. They love it. They enjoy it. They're happy to do it. Now, sometimes it's going to be frustration, but they're passionate about it. They're gifted to do it. God has called them to do it. When you get in that type of thing, 
oh, God's blessing starts to overflow on you. Now, for me, I was fortunate to have tapped into that at a young age in my life. I found out uh, what, what I was passionate about. I found out what I was gifted to do. I found out what I was called to do at a young age in life. For me, it's pastoring this church and teaching the Word. I am passionate about studying God's Word. I am passionate about being overseeing this church in a proper way. I'm gifted to do it, and God has called me to do it. And that's why I'm not the average change churches every two or three years preacher. Talk to anybody that's been at one church for a long time. They saw five preachers come through while they were there. I'm not going. God called me to this place. God gave me a passion to pastor this place. And God gifted me to do it. And that's why I'm going to keep doing it. And that's why I love doing it. And I want you to find out what you're passionate about, what you're gifted in, and what God has called you to do. And then you're going to walk into a new stream. And you're going to be in your lane. And you're going to know where your lane is. Uh, we all exist by God's design. And he has something special for you. Say special. You just probably don't know what it is yet. But if you, if you want to know what your purpose in life is, the first thing you got to do is recognize that it's not your purpose you should be seeking. It's God's purpose for you. That went right over your head. Three people got that. Here's why most people fail to find their purpose in life, because they're looking for their purpose. They're looking for the, the, what, what, what scratches their itch. They're looking for what they think they want. They're looking for what fulfills their agenda. If you are a Christian, you should not be looking for your purpose. You should be looking for God's purpose for you. Do you see a difference there? Now, I want, to, I want you to know, though, your purpose is not hidden in some secret code in the Bible. It, it, it's not buried in Scripture. Well, I'm just trying to find my calling. I'm just trying to see what God has for me. That's good. Unless you've been saying that for over a year. And some people have been saying that for over a decade. But it, it's not hidden. Listen, God's purpose, God, God's calling for your life, it is written all over you in a million kind of ways. It really, it, it literally emanates from who you are. It's part of every breath you take. But the problem is sin. And lack of of commitment the problem is sin because even if you start to get on with what God really wants you to do in life sin will pull you away from it even if you really start to discover and uncover and get passionate about what God has gifted you to do and you start stepping into your calling sin and lack of commitment will cause you to back up from it and then you begin to doubt well maybe that's not what God wanted me to do oh the sin was what God wanted you to do I, I've, I've had people tell me they're praying about leaving their wife for their girlfriend. You don't have, listen, there's some things, write this down, because every preacher you know outside this room will disagree with me. There's some things you don't have to pray about. You don't have to pray about everything. Listen, if you are married, the Bible says if you are joined, don't seek to be loosed. You say, well, I just think you should pray about everything. You don't have to pray about whether or not you should kill that person you're angry with. 
You don't have to pray about whether or not you should rob a bank to pay your bills. There's just some things that you, you, you ought to go ahead and realize. But we've got to get into this thing so, so that we are living the life that God wants us to live. It, it's in you. It's, it, it's coming out of you. It's written on every fabric of your being. But sin covers it up. Sin, sin, sin causes you to drift away from it. See, discovering your purpose is just simply a matter of examining God's fingerprints on your soul. But how do you do that? How do you find God's fingerprints on your soul? If, if you really believe He created you, if you really believe you're fearfully and wonderfully made, if you really believe He's large and in charge and He put you here for a reason, then He, he had that in mind when He created you. What, 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 what did God say to Jeremiah? I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He said, I called you before you ever came out. God has a calling, a purpose for your life before you ever came out. And it is written all over the fabric of your being. You just got to learn how to get to it. And I, I'm going to show you how to get to it uh, as we develop this. I'll give you one verse of Scripture. We're going to get out of here early this morning. I, I got three more pages of notes, but I'm not going to hold you. I'm going to just set you up with this. And, and, and I want you to think about this until next Sunday. We'll come back and we'll develop this more. In Psalm 37, 4, the Bible says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, there are scammers out there that see this as a shortcut. There are scammers out there that are like, mm, So if I serve God, he's going to give me what I want. Yes. So if I serve God, if I delight myself, which means to love him joyfully all the time, consistently, if I delight myself, that's a continuous tense verb of constantly being happy to follow God's commands. If I delight myself in God, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. He's going to give me what I want, kind of, or West Side, kind of. People text kinda. That's <laughs> funny to me. Kinda. I'm like, uh, and, and gonna, and, and, and going, and tripping. Uh, yeah, this, it's just like texting has no rules. That's why kids like it. But if you delight yourself, now let's look at the verse. If you delight yourself in the Lord, is he going to give you the desires of your heart? Yes or no? The word can't lie. But sometimes our understanding of the word is not sufficient. Sometimes our understanding of the word causes us to think something is there that it's not there. It does not say he will give you what you want initially. Now, ultimately, he will give you what you want. It does say that, but not initially. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, he's going to give us the desire. Say the desire. Let's just, let's just pick on Nancy for a minute. If Nancy delights herself in the Lord... He's going to give her the desire of her heart. Now, if all of us that know her should say, well, I believe that Nancy loves God. I believe she delights herself in the Lord. You know she wants you know, her husband to give up on that softball foolishness. Man's 110 years old. He's had every injury he could have. But I'm still batting 600. Okay. Playing in the 90 and older league. How many of y'all believe there, that there's some desires that, that uh, even godly people haven't gotten yet? 
That, that, now I pick on her. I don't even, are you ready for him to quit like 10 years ago? Right. Okay, so that's the desire that she has. It doesn't mean that if she delights herself in the Lord that God is going to cause her husband to stop playing softball. Uh, that's her desire, not his desire. Listen to the word. He's going to give you the desire that's in your heart. That desire is not going to come from you. It's going to come from him. It's when God takes from heaven the desire he has for you and he puts it down into your heart. Now, here, here's the thing. Deacon Dixon uh, retires 30, 30 years from the United States Army and then decides, well, you know, I'm not all the way old and I'm still in good shape. I'm going to go ahead and start a new career. Went to school, uh, had to pass a, a, one of those tests. You know when one of those tests are like, only 13% passed this test on the first try. Uh, I'd probably, you know, some folk need to pick a different career path than that. But he decided that he's going to go get licensed and, 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 and uh, schooled up for this, this therapy thing, physical therapy. Uh, man, we got more physical therapists in this church than you can shake a stick at. What do you do? Yeah. What does Elder Keon do? Therapy? Yeah, what what Joyce do? <laughs> Therapist. Oh, listen, it, there must be money in it. People going to school for it. Uh, speaking of the Harris family, for those of y'all know the Harris family, we got a beautiful card from them this week. They still hashtag, uh, hashtag still love our church and wanted me to say hi to everybody and, and say they miss you. But so Deke decides 30 years wasn't enough to work, even though, you know, the government sent him $400,000 a month retirement, uh, free health care. All that, life, dental, vision, all that. Uh, he decided, well, I'm going to go get a second career. And he went back and got a second career. Now, I, I'm pretty sure, and I haven't talked to him about this one-on-one. -on -one. I'm just using this time now to, to even say it in front of him. I'm pretty sure when he was studying those books to pass that test. Was that test hard? When he was studying those books to pass that test, I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking, I'm going to do all this schooling. I'm going to spend all this time studying. I, I'm, just going, I'm just going to put all I have, spend my money into this second career. I'm going to pass this test. Did you pass it? Got licensed up. Have you gone to work in it? He, I'm pretty sure he didn't think I'm going to spend all this time studying up, paying for this schooling, passing this test, getting my license to spend my whole week working at the food and clothing ministry. I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that wasn't in his game plan. That wasn't in his game plan. But, but you know what happened along the way? You know what happened? And this isn't to say that he won't ever do that. He may do that, whatever God has for him. I support. But what, what I saw happen along the way, passion growing for food and clothing over money, passion growing for helping people, Passion growing for using the physical strength that God had given him to do some of the heavy lifting. Passion using some of the organizational strength that God had given him to do some of the organizing. Passion for, for, for the strength that God had given him to put things together, to come and put things. And, and the sort of passion gets, gets stronger. And the giftingness is there. And then there's a calling there. So 
he, he's so called and passionate and gifted about what he's doing, he, he, what he decided, uh, now don't hit him up for a loan, but what he decided is, you know what? Instead of trading my truck in, the church needs a truck. So he just, he's so passionate about food and clothing ministry, he just gave his truck. Y'all see that truck parked up? He just gave his truck. Now, I'm not saying it's to steal his blessing. I'm just saying that so you can see how you can have your desire get changed by a desire God gives you. Now, see, some of y'all so schemy, some of y'all so scammy, some of y'all so hustling that y'all thinking, I ain't going to fall in love with God. He might call me, you know, to, to give up my, my, my money job. The bills keep coming in that Dixon house. I, I know somebody sitting in the house thinking, time's a ticking. That food and clothing ministry ain't paying you. Never paid him a penny. Uh, do, uh, and some of y'all are thinking, no, not me. I ain't about to delight myself in the Lord. God called me off to do something. Listen, if God calls you to do it, he'll give you a passion for it. He'll gift you for it, and it will flow out of your being. We can't hardly run him off now. We can't hardly run him off now. Heavy up here, working all day long in the food and clothing. Stop, stop and talk to him. He'd be like, oh, man, I don't even know if I have time to get my workout in yet. Oh, I missed Sonia's call three times. I, I better go. I'm like, you're going to go call her a workout. I think I'm going to try to get a quick workout and call her on the way. But just passionate. Just get, and, and some of y'all are thinking, I don't want to give up my desires for desires that God would give me. Talk to somebody who did it. Just talk to somebody who did it. Talk to somebody who did it. Talk to somebody who is using their gifting for what they're passionate about in a godly way. And you'll find out that is higher calling. I want you to walk in a higher calling. I'm not going to keep you late. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to step into this verse. I'll, I'll end it with this. I can tell you how to find God's will for your life. This verse. I can tell you how to find God's will for your life. It's this verse. Some of y'all tell you, you, you think you're looking for God's will. You, you think you're looking for what God wants you to do. When really you're just stalling. You're just stuck. You're just in a rut. You're in a holding pattern or you're backing up. You really want to know what God's will for your life is? It's found in this verse. Because if you'll really begin to delight yourself in the Lord, showing up to church, singing, live right, give right, act right, be right, do right, have a personal devotion, have a personal relationship with God, read your Bible, say your prayers, make good choices, get involved in what God is doing, give your everything to God, love Him, love Him, love Him, love Him, love Him more than you love yourself, love Him more than you love your desires, love Him more than you love your money, more than, more than you love your agenda, delight in Him constantly, loving on God, loving on God, loving on God. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to take a desire that he wants you to have, and he's going to give it to you. I saw it in my mom. My mom got saved for sure. Uh, my mom got saved in a church that, that had some hard rules. They, 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 were, you know, more legal, they were more legalistic than they should be. They were really bad on people that smoke cigarettes. It didn't bother my mom. Y'all know my mom. She ain't studied. Nobody disagrees with her. She... She was, she was going, she's been smoking three packs a day her whole life. Her doctor told her at 37 years old she had early stage emphysema and if she didn't quit smoking that she was going to die. She laughed at him, walked out of the office. She said, at least I'll die doing something I like as she was lighting up a cigarette. That's just who she was. And 
There was no amount of preaching that was going to cause my mama to stop smoking Marlboro in the red box. She wasn't, she wasn't going to stop giving up multiple pack chain smoking, bump starting one off the other, just lighting one off the last one. And no, no preaching was, was going to change her. No amount of social pressure was going to change. She wanted to smoke Marlboro in the red box, and that's what she wanted to do. And she kept doing it. She got saved. She didn't quit smoking. So I got saved. I had moonshine in the trunk of my car. I poured it out and stopped drinking altogether. I, I, I got to say, I gave up everything immediately. It didn't happen the same way for my mom. I don't know your testimony. My mom was laying in bed one night, delighting herself in the Lord. She was just loving on God, reading his word. My mom was writing poetry, first year of salvation. My mom was writing, my mom was a brilliant writer, intellect. She was writing poetry to God, beautiful words to God, just loving God, reading the word. And she was smoking in her bed. That's great, ain't it? Smoking in her bed, reading the Bible. Now, most people would think, that person don't love the Lord. Sure she did. She, she, just, she just wasn't all the way delivered yet, and neither are none of us. She's laying in bed smoking, and, and, and a long uh, thing of ashes fell on her Bible. And she felt a movement from God. She felt like, I shouldn't love both of these together. I ought to pick one over the other one. And she sat down those cigarettes. She quit cold turkey, a three-pack-a-day habit that she had had for over, 40, over 30 years. No, no gum, no therapy, no hypnosis, no nothing. You know, and you know what she told me? I just didn't want it anymore. Some of us in here bound by feelings that we can't break, emotions we can't shake, habits that we just can't let go of. If God changed your want to, you could, you could just catapult forward in the kingdom. If God took a desire from heaven and put it in your heart, not only, some of y'all think, well, that just sounds like work. That just sounds like I got to give up on my dreams for his dreams. I'm going to tell you this. When God puts a desire in your heart and he gives you passion and gifting for the calling that he has given you, you're going to find life on a higher level. You're going to find out that when you start living for something bigger than yourself, life takes on a bigger meaning. And some of y'all have not locked into that. But if you would just begin to love on God constantly, continuously, all the time, in every way that you know how to. None of us know everything. Do what you know how to do. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here's what's going to happen if you do it long enough without backing up. If you keep pressing forward, walking closer to God, walking closer to God, walking closer to God, just continuously walking closer to God, he is going to take the desire that he created you to have and he's going to put it in your heart in such a strong way that it's going to make it easy for you to do what he wants you to do. Some of you don't feel easy doing what God wants you to do. But I'm going to tell you, if you will do this one thing, you'll find the will of God for you. Because it's written all over you. I had, I had three people in very specific ways. Three specific people. Um, might have been more, but I know there's three specific people that it stood out to me. Before I ever even thought about being a pastor. Before I ever even thought about going to seminary. Before I ever even thought about doing ministry for a career. I had three different encounters with people. 
Uh, and, and it's wild because they all said basically the same thing. They, they asked me if I was a pastor. I said, no. And they said, well, you ought to be. And I was like, well, why do you say that? And, and in different ways, but they said it in similar fashion. It's just all over you. It's just all over you. And God began to deepen my desire to do what he wanted me to desire to do. And I'm going to tell you this. Fighting to be who God wants you to be is miserable. Hear me good and I'm done. Fighting to do what God wants you to do is miserable. There's a, and some of y'all, if you'd be honest, you'd be like, I don't even want to read my Bible. I just do it because I'm supposed to. I don't love it. Prayer is hard. Bible reading is hard. I only give because I'm supposed to. I only show up because I'm supposed to. People doing stuff out of a commitment without a joy that backs that commitment. But when God gives you the want... He's not going to give you, per se, your desire. He's going to put his desire in you. Then you're going to want to be a better wife. Then you're going to want to be a better husband. Then you're going to want to be sober. Then you're going to want to read your Bible. Then you're going to want to do ministry. Then you're going to want to find out what it is he created you to do. I want God to give you a want from heaven. I want God to take what he has for you. And put it in you so much that you're like, now I see what he wants me to do. And it will be glorious. And it will be great. But you got to want it. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, God. I pray, God, that as we follow near to thee, that you will flood our hearts with the desires that you have for us. As we long for you that you'll flood our hearts with the things that you desire for us. God, I pray as we do our best to seek you, to serve you, to honor you, to glorify you, God, I pray that you would overwhelm our hearts with desires from heaven. Give us the desire, God. Give us the want to. Put your desire in our heart so that it'll be easier for us to serve you, so it'll be easier, so we'll want to get up in the morning and pray. So we'll want to get on our knees at night and pray. So we'll want to read your Bible and hear your voice. So we'll want to do what you want us to do. It's hard serving you out of commitment, God. It's hard serving you out of willpower, God. It's hard serving you because it's the right thing to do. But when you fill our hearts with your desire, it's wonderful and it's fun and it's empowering. It's exciting. It's abundant living. So God, I pray for every person in the room today who's saved. Lord, I pray that you would let them fall in love with loving you so that you can give them the desires you want them to have. Reveal yourself to us, God. I pray for those who are yet unsaved in this room, Lord, that you'd reveal yourself to them. Show your love for them. Pour your spirit out on them. God, I pray that you'd save the lost deliver the backslider, heal the brokenhearted. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.